The opinions and viewpoints expressed in .NET Rocks are not necessarily those of its sponsors or of Microsoft Corporation, its partners, or employees. .NET Rocks is a production of Franklin's Net, which is solely responsible for its content. Franklin's Net, training developers to work smarter. Hey, Rockheads, stop thinking about naming your firstborn Snooky and listen up. It's time for another stellar episode of .NET Rocks, the internet audio talk show for .NET developers with Carl Franklin and Richard Campbell. This is Lawrence Ryan announcing show number 584 with guest Brian Noyes, recorded live Saturday, June 26, 2010. .NET Rocks is brought to you by Franklin's Net, training developers to work smarter. And now offering SharePoint 2007 video training with Sahil Malik on DVD, DNR TV style. Order your copy now at www.franklins.net. Support is also provided by Telerik, combining the best in Windows forms and ASP.NET controls with first-class customer service. Online at www.telerik.com. And by Grape City Data Dynamics, makers of ActiveReports.net. Simple, powerful, and cost-effective reporting for Windows Forms and ASP.NET Web Applications. Online at www.datadynamics.com. And now, the man who just turned 43 and can no longer claim he's the answer to everything, Carl Franklin! You're listening to the .NET Rocks Live Weekend. This is Carl Franklin and Richard Campbell and Brian Noyes. Hi, Brian. Hey, guys. How's it going? It's going well. Here we are. You're hanging in there. This is quite a marathon for you guys. Doing yeah. the thing. You just, you just didn't get enough torture on the road show, huh? That's basically it, yeah. Well, you know, on the road show, to get 10 episodes recorded took us two weeks. Right. Today, we did it in a day. <laughs> 12 episodes <laughs> in a day, yeah. <laughs> So, and you choose to do this to yourself. It's kind of sad. I know it's a little sad. And also, I might add, we're doing this without a sponsor, so we're putting up our own money to get this out. Yeah, we're having a little old experiment here. See if uh, there's some new ideas, some new techniques uh, that thing people are going to want to do. So we're trying it out. Living, living dangerous. So Brian, you have sort of been hibernating lately, not coming out to speak and. Staying home and working and working and working. What the heck have you been doing? Uh, I don't know if that's true. I've been on the road as usual. Um, I didn't speak at TechEd for the first time in six years. That was a little odd. And I, I showed up for a while as a uh, attendee for a few days. Hardly anybody spoke at TechEd this year, man. Yeah, yeah. It was kind of a weird one this year. Um, but, I mean, I'm still doing the DevTeach, DevConnections, um, that kind mm-hmm. of stuff. And... Um, just lots of classes all over the world. Been uh, teaching in South Africa uh, last month, and I'm going back again in a few weeks. Um, WPF class and the Silverlight class. Just spent the uh, the last two weeks out in Redmond working with the Prism team, uh, working on Prism Four, 
it's been fun to get get knee deep in that again. So it's really been mostly private gigs for you, classes yeah, and yeah, it's, talking. Yep, exactly. Uh, the the South Africa class was a public one, one of the biggest ones I've had with fifty six students. Holy cow! Was, yeah, yeah, <laughs> makes it interesting to run labs, but uh, it's good to good to see that many people turn out. Well, um, we've, you know, the many times we talk to you, sometimes it's WPF, sometimes it's WCF, sometimes it's Silverlight. What, uh, what's, what's your main focus these days? Still kind of all of the above. Uh, uh, bouncing back and forth between WPF and Silverlight is, a, is the primary focus. More on Silverlight lately than uh, WPF. Uh-huh. Um, mainly just because of the way, you know, for us we do, uh, at iDesign, we do a lot of short engagements, uh, one-week consulting gigs, one-week classes, that kind of thing. So kind of shift focus based on what people are looking for. So do you consider yourself a XAML developer rather than a WPF or Silverlight developer? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, there's so much overlap between the two. It's it's actually harder. I, you know, I started more as a WPF developer mm-hmm. and then eased my way into Silverlight. I, I you know, was kind of lax and Definitely let 1.0 go by and, and kind of watched it from afar and uh, a little bit the same with 2.0 and didn't really start to get serious with it till 3.0. Are you talking about Silverlight or WPF? Yes, Silverlight. Yeah, Silverlight. Well, 1.0 is no more than really a glorified animated GIF player. Yeah, exactly. As Dina said, the classic quote there. Yeah, it's a great but, quote. Uh, but yeah, so I, I kind of was, you know, in some ways late to the game with Silverlight. And so like a lot of people who start with WPF, and then move into Silverlight. It's more kind of training yourself what you can't do as opposed to uh, you know finding out what you can. And I still find that day-to-day working with Silverlight. It's like it's just very easy to go, oh, I'll just do this here. And then you go, oh, no, the Silverlight can't do that. So it's easy to uh, train your mind to the full range of possibilities of, of WPF if you start there. So do you still find you prefer WPF over Silverlight for most of the stuff you want to do? I absolutely do because of that aspect I just talked about. It's, right. it's kind of like no boundaries, you know, um, when you get used to what you can do there. And, and part of it is just, you know, some would argue too much flexibility because for any one thing you want to do, there's you know, five, six, seven different ways you can get it done. Right. Whereas in Silverlight, there's hopefully one, maybe two ways to get it done. And so part of it is just sort of, thinking about the problem a different way and, and you can still get it done in Silverlight. You just mm-hmm. have to know the limitations, but uh, you know, once you get used to the full range of capabilities of WPF, you fall into your own patterns and, and you prefer to just kind of plunge forward the way you know, instead of having to retrain yourself to a more limited set of options. So where does Prism fit into all of this? Prism's, uh, you know, kind of a, a stepping stone, the first thing I always urge people is don't try to learn Prism first. If you're new to WPF or Silverlight, you really have to master some core fundamentals of the platform first, uh, specifically data binding, commands. Um, the kind of new kid on the block is behaviors, uh, which are more and more popular, especially in the Silverlight arena where they didn't have commands until Silverlight 4. Uh, but some of those are sort of key enablers for some of the patterns and things that we do in Prism. Uh, and one of the things we're focusing on with uh, Prism 4, and I need to do the standard caveat here, I'll switch back and forth between we and they. I don't mean to take credit in any way, shape, or form mm-hmm. for the good work the team's doing. Um, in, in Prism 1, I actually was involved in actually 
wrote a small amount of the code that shipped um, by pair programming with folks on the team and stuff, and basically a half-time developer on, on Prism 1. Uh, this time around, I'm more like quarter time, and it's more, uh, you know, when we have design discussions and stuff, I'll, I'll be involved in that to kind of bring the customer perspective, having worked with a lot of customers that have been using Prism for the last couple of years, and uh, also helping with the documentation and stuff, trying to make some of the, some of the you know, what you can do with Prism and how to do it a little more clear than past docs have, uh, have been. I still find that most people really struggle to absorb Prism, that it's it's still very complex. Well, it's complex and sort of in the same way that WCF is complex. If you try to tackle all of what it can do, starting from a, a clean slate of never having been exposed to patterns, and especially the, the biggest hurdle I find with people trying to adopt Prism is if you've never touched a DI container, an IOC container in your life, right? that's the actual barrier. It's not that Prism is complex. It's that your head explodes trying to understand containers and inversion of control and all that stuff. By the way, uh, we did a great show with James Kovacs on .NET Rocks that laid all of that stuff out very, very plainly and easily to understand. But totally what, agree. What I'm appreciating here, Brian, is you're sort of building up a, a list of prerequisites here before you take on Prism. I want you to be familiar with WPF, not threatened by IOC. Like, these are interesting bits before I go. Because on the surface, when you sort of look at the presentation of Prism, it's like, oh, here's a starting point for me building these new generation UIs. Yep, exactly. It, but, it, but it is the, you know, the new generation UI is, can take on many forms. And, and the way Prism approaches it is from a patterns perspective, from a, a best practices perspective in terms of separation of concerns, testability, uh, letting designers and developers work on the UI concurrently, and those are some of the main motivations behind the Prism patterns. And one of the things we're focusing on in this release is, uh, you know, something I'm sure many people have heard of, may or may not be deep into, is the the model view view model or MVVM pattern. Right. Mm -hmm. uh, so that's one big thrust this time, and the other one is is now that .NET 4 and Silverlight 4 have shipped. And contain the managed extensibility framework MEF, um, which I know you've had guests talking about before on the show. Right. It, it's an alternative to what we used before, which was the Unity container. So we're basically sh going to be shipping Prism 4 where you can pick, you know, if you have used traditional containers before, which is sort of what Unity would be called, uh, you can choose Unity if you want the fully integrated in the framework and, you know, don't have to go outside that kind of approach, then you can use MEF. Brian, we've been asking our guests uh, today and this weekend to uh, think back on their experiences with customers or Microsoft or uh, maybe teaching and uh, and pull out some stories that would be unexpected or interesting. Sure. Um, well, I think you know some of my unexpected interesting stories are actually uh, a little ways back, more of my entry into this industry, sure. which has been kind of non-traditional. Because uh, as you guys know, and I'm sure some of the listeners know, I started in the Navy and uh, did not have the typical geek entry programming in high school. And, you know, I don't have any of those uh, trash 80 stories that so many guests seem to have. I right. didn't even know what that was until I started watch listening to your show. Would you, <laughs> would you call me? <laughs> <laughs> so I was more, uh, you know, my first... Um, Exposure to computers was in, in college. I went to the Naval Academy and we had to use some, some mainframe stuff there for, for engineering. I was in the aerospace engineering degree. 
we had to do some uh, mainframe stuff for like, you know, airflow computing, and we had to do some uh, extremely crude graphics programs for graphing charts of, of our, you know, scientific calculations and things like that. Then I pretty much walked away from that and, and didn't want to have anything to do with computers, and uh, went off to uh, went off to flight school and uh, flew F-14s. And it was it wasn't until a couple of years into flying I, I loved flying and it was a blast. And we could certainly get non-technical and tell all kinds of interesting sea stories there. But uh, I know that would get Richard's blood going. <laughs> <laughs> Of course, if we did that, then Richard would start to make me look stupid as he does whenever we get together and he starts asking me hardcore questions about the latest, greatest airplanes. And I'm kind of like, the what? The who, where? You can't be with Richard and not feel stupid. (laughs) (laughs) He doesn't mean it. It's just he's a smart guy. Hey, uh, Brian from St. Louis is is on the line and he's got a question for you. Go ahead, Brian. Uh, Hi, Brian. Nice to talk to another Brian. Sure. Um, You've been talking about Prism 4. Mm-hmm. And uh, the last release I was aware of was 2.2, I think. Are we renaming it 4 to catch up to .NET 4 and Silverlight 4 now? No, I should be clear about that. 2.2 is the you know current release, uh, officially released, and and it's sort of a, an interim release. Um, 2.1's been out since October of last year, I guess it was. Uh, all 2.2 does is takes that exact same code base um, and basically rebuild on .NET 4 and do some testing and weed out a couple of uh, kind of tucked away bugs that didn't quite work right in, in .NET 4 and Silverlight 4. So it's more of a uh, .NET 4 and Silverlight 4 compatible release of what was already out there. And Prism 4 is the next version that we're currently working on, and that's supposed to be out in the September-October time frame. Uh, but we've already got, uh, if you don't already know, Patterns and Practices is, is about the most open part of Microsoft as far as the stuff they develop. And so we've already done, I think, three drops now out on CodePlex. You just go to prism.codeplex.com and uh, go to the downloads. We put the, the drops every two weeks. We're putting them out there um, of the current stuff we're working on. And, and the first two things we're tackling, like I mentioned, is the MVVM pattern. Basically, it, it exists. There's many frameworks out there that try to help you do MVVM. And we're just joining the crowd from Microsoft perspective and trying to put some guidance out on some of the ways to do it because one of the downsides of MVVM is it's not a rigid pattern and there's probably 10 ways to go about it. Um, so we're just showing some of the most common ways, recommended ways of doing it and uh, putting some code in place to help you do it. And then, like I said, the other thing we're doing is the, the MEF uh, container as an alternative to Unity. So when I'm saying PRISM 4, that's what I mean is the Stuff we're currently working out on due out officially in the September-October time frame. Um, we might have a sort of interim release in, in maybe a, a month or so. Uh, I'm not sure exactly how that's going to be titled from a Microsoft perspective, um, but we're going to try to get the, the stuff we're working on now out in a, a semi-released form for people to consider that pretty much done. And then the second half, we're focusing on uh, a few other topics like navigation and how you get data into your application and a few other topics. Um, there's a good blog post out on the Patterns and Practices um, blog that summarizes the main thrusts of Prism 4 that we're working on. Does that answer your question? Sure. Okay. okay. Anything else, Brian? Uh, no, I've been listening to you guys all day and uh, really enjoying it. I hope you do it again sometime. Maybe not next 
(laughs) (laughs) That's what my wife said, too. Yeah. Thanks very much for listening, Brian. We really, really appreciate it. Okay. Thank you. All right. So you were talking about uh, your the way that you got into computing. Was it um, and and I'm not sure if I got this when you were saying it, but was it all about programming, or did you get into computers as a sort of a, a sideways? Uh, kind of a sideways. Actually, before we jump back into that, I see a, a tweet here. A okay. Question for Dan Uh The question was: Is WPF still relevant now that we have Silverlight out of browser? Yeah. Absolutely not. It's not important yeah. at all anymore. I don't know why you're still working on it. Total waste yeah, of time, really. Richard and I have had discussions <laughs> after all the comments along those lines on the roadshow. I have an answer for that. Sony Vegas. That's a WPF application. Could you write that in Silverlight? Don't know. How about Studio 2010? Well, I think... No, Studio 2010, I I don't think there's any... Well, you know, definitely the amount of legacy C++, com code. Yes, we do have, uh, you know, com integration in in Silverlight now, but, you know, anyone who's ever done any interop code with Office or any legacy com API from .NET, it ain't easy. (laughs) And, you know, so 2010 itself, doubt it. I mean, ultimately all it is doing is manipulating stuff in memory and on the screen and then compiling stuff on disk. So theoretically, yeah, you could, with uh, Silverlight out of browser, with the elevated trust in in uh, Silverlight 4, I could certainly envision, you know, it'd take a long time and a lot of effort, but you could write, I think, a development studio kind of product in Silverlight 4. Now, you've called me out on this already, but Silverlight 4 out of browser is not, quote-unquote, Full trust. That's it's right. Not and the same as WPF. I was, you know, I heard the the hype as being full trust out of browser. That's what I heard, and then slowly right. the story began to come out. Well, it's not really full trust. It's sort of quasi full trust. So, what's the specs yeah, on this, well, Brian? Well, it, it basically, they say it's elevated trust. So, you know, the, the distinction there is you don't have all the you don't have the permissions to go party on the full machine the way you would with WPF. No formatting so hard drives. Yeah, exactly. So one of the first things that jumps out is the file system is that you only have access to the standard user profile-based folders uh, in in Windows. So my documents, my pictures, you know, those kind of things that are part of your, your profile in, uh, you know, easiest to see them in, in uh, Windows 7 or for those or fools who are still stuck on Vista, um, you know, just go, go into your my name on your desktop and those folders, those you can get to from Silverlight. And there's the named uh, named API or you know named enum folders that you can use to get to them. But if you want to go to C arbitrary folder uh, on your hard drive, game over. And you know the counter to that, some people will say is, well, all you have to do, you do have com interrupt, so you have Permission, basically, you know, the one very elevated trust thing you have there is unmanaged code. Right. Uh, to go out through the COM APIs. So anything that you can spelunk around in the existing Win32 COM APIs through WMI and things like that that expose themselves as COM objects, then, yes, you can do all those things and you can achieve some pretty, you know, sophisticated things commanding the machine to do things that you wouldn't be able to do directly from managed code. But again, the you know the APIs you're going to have to go through are pretty archaic comp stuff, and not for the faint of heart. And in terms of 
being a productive coder for a business application, that is not the way you want to get that stuff done. Clemens, I am not going to read that tweet. <laughs> I'm sorry. Letting it go. I'm letting that one go. Just let, letting it go not on by. The there. Just yeah. not liking the visual. Not liking that at all. No, nothing good. Nothing good at all. Well, apparently it's amused the crew. That's something at least. <laughs> so yeah, I there. There are so many. There are so many things where it's just not appropriate. And um, yeah, I mean there are. You know, you could with enough brute force, you could probably get almost anything done that you really needed to, if you're willing to dive out through the Com API. Yeah, if you're willing. Really, yeah, if you squeeze yourself through the whole the eye of the needle that is Com Interop. But the point is well place though that it's really line of business applications which is the majority of applications that are written with .net business applications it's going to be there are going to be a lot fewer roadblocks let's put it that well, way well let's face it i mean part of this too is it's a similar problem i faced when i was focusing a lot on click once and wrote my book on that is you know if you go into a customer and talk to them about click once same problem where if they're willing to design with the constraints of click once in mind, click once is a piece of cake to deploy. But too often you get customers that are like, no, 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 you don't understand. I really, really, really need to deploy my application to cfu slash bar slash some obscure directory. I absolutely have to do it. And you try to corner them on that. Why? Well, because we've got some code that written a long time ago and it assumes it's going to be there. And right. It's got a hard-coded go path or something. Yeah. So, uh, you know, those are the kinds of things that people can get themselves in now as well with Silverlight is if they say, no, 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 I, I really need to access something in a specific location on the drive, then then it's kind of game over, at least with the managed code APIs from Silverlight. Um, but if you're willing to design to the constraint up front, then you probably could get most things done that a, a line of business app needs to do. Um, the You know, the main things I run into with customers that, they want, you know, deep integration with the desktop. They've got some obscure devices uh, that are part of their line of business app, you know, money counters and financial things and that have drivers that aren't necessarily com-based and, you know, things like that that you run into that, you know, they can't really easily get to those from this elevated trust environment, uh, whereas with WPF you have a little bit more flexibility there. So I think that's why, you know, is WPF still relevant? Yeah, until you have full trust, um, and until, you know, there are still certain scenarios that uh, you run into where Silverlight just doesn't have the full capabilities of WPF in terms of the UI definition, and it's mostly little things, like I mentioned, that if you step back, rethink things, and think about it real hard, you can find other ways to get it done. Um, but if you're a line of business app, the other thing you're typically focused on is productivity and getting the thing out the door as quick as possible, and, and so hitting those speed bumps, uh, especially if you're already trained on WPF, then it's kind of a no-brainer at that point. If you're just training up, then maybe just train on Silverlight and, and find ways to get things done there. So I think that in the long term, yeah, Silverlight will become the predominant way that people think. But at that point, it's not like WPF is dead, um, as, as I mentioned in a recent blog post. It just means that Silverlight has risen the capabilities of WPF, and you're using common libraries to get it all done at that point. So the difference between WPF and Silverlight becomes irrelevant. But now it's still yeah. relevant because of the 
capability limitations of Silverlight are still there. You think the teams will end up merging together anyway and they'll just be a XAML product? You really, Richard, want unification, I do. don't you? I don't oh, see... everyone does. Yeah. I, I'm not so sure I do. At, at a technology level or at a Microsoft team level? No, at a, I, I don't want there to be one WPF or Silverlight. I mean, uh, a, a, an application on your desk is so different than an application uh, that's just ethereal in the cloud, and you just download, install, and run automatically. Mm, yes and no. Um, it, it really depends on how you design it. Uh, you know, if you think about the thing, you know, one of the most common things is the async way you have to call services in, in Silverlight versus calling them synchronous in WPF. The thing I always point out, out in my classes is, even in WPF, you really should be calling them async. Um, you know, calling services can block for long enough for the user to notice. And I don't ever want to show my user a not responding in my application. So anytime you're doing something that could potentially take a long time, then you should really be uh, making those calls async, whether it's WPF or Silverlight. So when you think about things that way, the differences really don't, you know, you should be doing most things through services for separation of concerns and the flexibility to to separate the deployment. You should be doing things async from a WPF app. And at that point, it just becomes a slightly different deployment model. Well, then maybe we should just stop pretending that Silverlight is a cross-platform uh, technology. I mean, if it's uh, all going to... If you're going through services... If you're then, going for unification, then it has to be towards WPF, not towards Silverlight. Well, I mean, they're already heading that way with uh, the com interop stuff. Obviously, it is not going to work on Mac. Right. So they are they are starting to show us features where if you choose to use those features, you are locking yourself into a single platform. That's right. So, so, so what I'm saying is it will never be one because we have so many things on Windows that we need access to locally. We can't – we are either one platform, you know, a WPF Silverlight amalgam, if you will, and we're not cross-platform, or we are cross-platform and we ditch all that other stuff. So I really don't see how it can unify. Well, let's face it. It wouldn't hurt anyone's head to ditch the WPF name. <laughs> well, but it's not so, about the name, you know. It's about no, what it no, supports. But, but I guess what I'm getting at is, you know, if you called what WPF is today, Silverlight++ Plus Plus or Silverlight for Windows, it's it, just the name at that point. But it's still a so, different product because it it would either have to not support common or op and, you know, enterprise services. I mean, there's so many things that are baked in Windows that WPF can do that Silverlight will never do. Right. So how can but you again, unify? It, well, because the things they do in common, if you have one set of libraries that they both reference, um, and then it becomes, like I said, then it's more you're thinking about a deployment choice up right. front, hopefully. Well, then it's then it's forking. Then I'm saying, then I have a different yeah. compile for Mac than I do for PC, than I do for whatever, phone. Oh, absolutely, or... and you'd have to do that today if you were going to leverage the common interrupt stuff. This portion of .NET Rocks is brought to you by our good friends at Telerik, who want me to tell you about JustMock, Telerik's mocking tool. And unlike most mocking tools... JustMock can work with non-virtual methods, sealed classes, and static methods and classes, giving you complete control over your code. And of course, you get that great Telerik quality and support. You can read more and download the tool at telerik.com slash justmock. 
And hey, don't forget to thank them for supporting .NET Rocks on their Facebook fan page, facebook.com slash Telerik. So anyway, I, that, that's my two cents. I think it would be nice... It'd be nice from a developer point of view if we didn't have to do this mental fork, but I I think it's just the way it is. Well, I think, you know, whatever you call it, uh, we're already headed there. There's a small degree of binary compatibility in Silverlight 4. If you just kind of go search for Silverlight 4 and binary compatibility, you'll find some posts to talk about is that the the core set of libraries uh, that you would normally have as as references when you start a project are, are really... You can use the same ones. It's more that you can use the Silverlight ones in WBS, and they work. Um, but you do have a, an ability to build a WPF and a Silverlight version of an app, or at least portions of your code can have a single set of references today. And and I think that, I hope it, at least that's where we're headed, is that more of those libraries that you would use in Silverlight and WPF in common become just one set of libraries. And there's merit to the idea that there's just one flavor of XAML to work with. And then right. this is all XAML development with basically bif- different uh, logic rules, perhaps on the back end, and it, that kind of points to blend as well, right? There's only one blend, right? And, and you know that's all, another one of the things where you definitely see a divided world is that Silverlight developers, because they had no support pretty much in, in Visual Studio until 2010, to speak of, right? You know, they are heavily dependent on blend, whereas the, the hardcore WPF crowd has been banging up XAML by hand uh, until 2010 and has probably barely touched. Some people certainly have touched blind, but your average programmer doesn't have much uh, design skills to begin with. So a lot of them are used to banging up the XAML and couldn't care less about what blind has to offer. I mean, a balanced developer should really look because there's some pretty cool stuff in blind now, and then you can get a lot done there that you still can't do in 2010. Um, and, and who knows where all that will go as well. Well, and right now we've got Blend 3 shipping, and Blend 4 you only see as a sort of beta with the dub, the Windows Phone 7 uh, kit. Have you seen any progression around Blend? And I'm referring to uh, to uh, a, the tweet here about any Blend news. Yeah, I see that. I have not heard any public news about when it's going to finally be released out of whatever state it's in now. Is it a... Still a beta or an RC? I forget off the top of my head uh, what state it's in. Um, it, it should be out pretty imminently. I mean, they're pretty far along in the beta cycle. Yeah. So uh, I think it's due out very soon now, um, but nothing that's been announced as far as when that'll be. And as far as the WP7 support is, is concerned, you know, anything WP7, uh, WP7 at this point is very beta-ish, um, even though it's, you know, supposed to uh, come out by holiday season. Right. Um, they are wisely keeping a pretty tight lid on it because if they didn't, you know, there's always people looking to find fault and uh, someone would look at beta bits and see that, oh my God, you know, beta bits are slower. Let's bash them for it. And uh, uh, I'm glad to see they're actually being a little more closed about the WP7 stuff. By the way, um, the Microsoft did not say that it's shipping in October. In this phone no, no, seven. no. They're, they've been consistent about saying holiday season. Yeah, they definitely did not say October. How do you I'm say? Just, why I'm, do you say that? <laughs> it's a joke. Right. Microsoft cannot confirm that it will be in October. Yeah, except for that TechCrunch article where they play the video of the Microsoft guy accidentally saying <laughs> October. There's, oh, really? I didn't, I'm yeah. sorry. I'm being a little dry. Yeah. 
Can he's really little, it's the last show of the day, you know, live, and he's uh, he's trying to play the straight man. He's confusing uh, us all, and it's really not working. It's not Sorry. working for you. Well, especially when I haven't uh, seen that video and had no clue what you were talking about. Well, yeah, I was torturing poor old <laughs> Daniel Egan, you know, who's trying trying to be a good citizen because he's got one of the phones. And uh, lo and behold, here's this Tektron site where they're saying, you know, here's a Microsoft guy saying October. He didn't mean to, but he said yeah. it. I personally, uh, you know, this is just speculation, but I'd be surprised. Um, it, I think they need to. Personally, I would rather see them take till the holidays. That's what they've been telling people. That's where they've set expectations. Mm. Yeah, I'd rather see them take an extra few months and give us a better product than trying to push it out the door. Well, I'm when, with you. You, when you're talking about a consumer product, October is Christmas, right? That's when True. you have to have stuff on the shelves if you're going to sell it I guess over you're Christmas. Right. Yeah. Actually, that's a very good point. Right. Yeah. So I really think that's what they're thinking here is they're, they're busy producing those phones right now to have ready for the stores in October. I hope. Maybe. Yeah. Ish. Ish. <laughs> <laughs> oh, no. Oh, boy. It has been a long day. Oh, it's a long day. I bet. I bet. Yeah. I've All been right, sitting so in this stories. chair for so long. <laughs> All right. So uh, a couple of shout-outs by Twitter. Uh, Michael Thomas, who was a ride-along on the road trip, he uh, – he asked if there's any blend news. Uh, we just talked about that, but I wanted to say thanks for the question anyway, Michael. And uh, MSCHLEGL81 just sort of rolls off the tongue. M. Schlegel. M. Schlegel81 says next road trip stop in Pittsburgh. Southside area has a bar every other building for 15 or 20 city blocks. You know, we only need one bar. That's true. One good one. Next road trip? Next road? Nah. That assumes there's going to be another road trip. Oh, come on, face it. This is, this is like, uh, you know, in the Navy, we'd go on, on our deployments, what we called cruise. Um, and while you were on cruise, it sucked and everyone hated it. And you'd pull back in port and it wouldn't take but about two months until people were going, Hey, it'd be good to go on cruise again. I know you guys are that way with your road trip. <laughs> you know, I've already lost my wife. I'm just wondering how long it's going to take Richard. <laughs> <laughs> it's five years between these things. Oh, my God. That seems to be often enough. Talk to me in 2015. <laughs> <laughs> we'll be on the .NET Rocks geriatric tour. Like that. <laughs> Here we are with episode 1100. Brought to you by Polydent and Geritol. <laughs> I, can just see the, I can just see the electric lift on the side of the yeah. RV. <laughs> no, I'm sorry. We can't come to Pittsburgh. It's not handicap friendly. <laughs> oh, oh, my man. Uh, I need a drink. Oh, you know, the, I, you bring up an issue point. If you think five years from now, what does .NET look like? That's like .NET 6.0, well, .NET 7.0. What was interesting, uh, I remember back, I think this was before you were a co-host, Richard, is that just when um, they were talking about Longhorn and everything was, a, you know, .NET moniker was going to change and everything was going to be, you know, WF and, you know, WSF and I can't even remember the acronyms we had now but but all the all, everything was going to change to be a foundation of some kind. Right. And people were saying, 
what are you going to call your show? You know, WF rocks or whatever. What, what was the main thing that they were going to call the .NET framework? It was Windows. I Win can't yeah, WinFX. Are you going to call it well, WinFX? Oh, no, that was .NET 3.0. Yeah, I can't remember. It's been so freaking long, and I'm tired. But anyway, <laughs> somebody on Twitter, help me here. Um, but, you know, they were basically saying, they said to me, are you got, you know, this is huge. Are, are you going to change the name of your show to whatever it is, Rocks? And I said, no. We'll probably always be .NET Rocks. I mean. If you are talking long, long time frame, that was the WinFX time frame? Yeah, WinFX. That's right. And WinFS was the file system, right? Right. So they, so that's what it was. And and I always just had a feeling that the term .NET wasn't going away. It seems to work. It still works. The question is, the question is, how much longer does .NET last? I just don't. Uh, you know what .NET is? What it is? It's the foundation. It's the concrete floor. It's the basement on which you build anything that has to do with Windows. Except all of Windows. Yeah. Sorry, I'm I'm laughing at a tweet from your Pittsburgh uh, friend there. Which one? <laughs> Welcome to .NET Rock. <laughs> Weez, <wheeze. laughs> oh, man. <laughs> Clear. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god. Oh, Look, they're already, they're already, they want us to come to Spokane. Look, we're not doing another road trip. How does these rumors get started? The .NET Rocks random city road trip. We're just going to hop around states. And people still want to know who got the phone from earlier today. It's, we didn't give away a phone. Disney's <laughs> the better sponsors to get you a corporate jet. Then you'll be willing to do it. <laughs> the .NET Rocks corporate jet tour. Michael says, Michael Thomas is driving home from Codestock 2010, listening on Netbook with headset. Do the dream, Carl and Richard, 24-7 DNR. I'm going to need some serious drugs to stay up one more hour. <laughs> I'm just saying. <laughs> Round the clock. Never stop. Well, at, least, at least you go to recorded shows after this, right? Yeah. Is it time for a drink? We're getting that way. We're down to our th- last twenty minutes or so here. Maybe at the uh, the next station call, we'll uh, we'll have to break out a cocktail. Well, you know, but then we wouldn't be on the air. Should we have a a little nippy of uh, Woodford Reserve? Uh, I so, still got some Lafroy in this glass, I think. But so, do what you need. I'll talk to my friend. All right, Brian. you talk to your friend Brian. I will. I will pour the wood. And Whatever I, you're pouring, I just want to pour me one too. For the record, you know, this is the okay, not the first, but you know, we. We had, what did we have, like a half a sip of scotch earlier? And, and a pint of Guinness. We've been pretty good. A pint of Guinness with dinner. Yeah, which is, that's just, you know, basic sustenance. There. Absolutely. It's about. a meal in a glass. There you go. But, uh, so, a model of restraint. A oh, model yeah. of restraint. And now, you know, 20 minutes left. Yeah. Everybody's a little punchy. We're driving home. I'm thinking, time for Woodford. Yeah, a little bourbon. There you go. There he goes. He's off to get the bourbon for us. I'm off. <laughs> Hey, I just want to give a shout out real quick to our friends at Data Dynamics who uh, make ActiveReports.net, among other really awesome things. ActiveReports.net is great because uh, it allows you to just build your reports with an easy editor, embed them right in your application, provide PDF and HTML output, 
Give your end users a report editor, royalty free, of course, a great access report upsizing wizard, and all this for a price that isn't going to break the bank. ActorReports.net from Data Dynamics. Go check it out now at datadynamics.com. I'm still, uh, yeah, I'm wrestling with, you know, Billy Hollis was the one who brought up the whole idea that .NET's now older than the VB stack ever got to be in the old version of Studio. That was eight years. It's now 10 years. Right. You know, and, which is a way, funny way of thinking about it. And so when they when we start talking 2015, it's like five more years of .NET. Not that I necessarily think it'll disappear. You know, the MFC is still in Windows. I try and exactly, envision yeah. what does .NET look like in 2015. Yeah, it is, it's definitely interesting. I mean, my colleague, uh, Yuval, talks about this sometimes and, you know, is, is always pushing on that aspect and saying, you know, based on its age, it seems like we need something else. Uh, I remember, you know, I had done about a decade of C++ development, starting off as a as a hobby and then turned second profession um, when .NET hit. And at the time, when I first heard about it, uh, I mean, I remember my reaction was kind of like, why do we need anything else? We can get everything done with this, you know? Yeah, we've been perfectly productive up to now. What are you talking about? Well, I don't know. Productive in C++? Seriously? It's built operating systems and languages and all kinds of useful things. I look back on C++ now and it's just like, oh my God, how did I live in this stuff? We spent a long time getting things done. Yeah, exactly. That's why. So, I mean, BB was always the answer to productivity and C++ was the answer to power, you know, but we didn't have both in one place, which I think to a large degree we do with .NET. May I, may I interrupt you, Brian? Absolutely. Mr. Campbell? Sir? Cheers. Cheers. I'll toast you as well. There you go. To the listeners who stayed with us all day, cheers. Cheers. Ah, C-sharp Fritz. Come on, guys. The next hour of DNR Live, the drunk hour. (laughs) There you go. (sighs) We got to be back on this again tomorrow morning, you know. (laughs) Brian, sure. I hear the next DNR road trip will be in October. (laughs) I cannot (laughs) confirm that. Yeah, I can pretty much confirm that's not going to happen. We also had one here from uh, Hooligan S uh, saying, WinFX became WPF or am I wrong? Really, WinFX became .NET 3, which was WPF, WCF, and Workflow. Yeah, right. And that was the um, the whole pillars of Longhorn thing. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah that is how it was uh, pitched by the marketing folks. Yeah. Lance Hilliard, anyone who takes a picture of someone tweeting into DNR Live gets a free mug? What? <laughs> <laughs> Welcome to Start Your Own Rumor Hour. There you go. <laughs> All right. Yeah. What's next uh, on your uh, agenda, Brian? Uh, I am looking at a blessed two weeks of uh, mostly family time here, which is pretty rare for me. Wow, Woo-hoo. that's great. Yeah, your baby's growing up too, isn't he? Yeah, he's five years old. Holy cow. Yeah. Little uh, Xbox addict. Actually, we, he's had an Xbox for a while, and we got a whole basket of games, but... Uh, our next door neighbor has a son uh, a year older than him that has a Wii, and so he's had you know feature envy there for for a while now. Yeah, just, I want a Wii. I want a Wii. We finally broke down and got one today. Just wait till you bring home the Connect. Talk about. Yeah, uh, I, actually, I was thinking about that while I was buying the Wii. I was like, should I really be doing this when Connect will be out not too long away, and that'll be an even better kind of interactive way to, to you know, and work with the Xbox that we're already using. Yeah. 
That'll be fun. Then then who will be jealous, huh? Yeah, hmm? exactly. But, uh, yeah, so some family time heading out to uh, Kentucky for Fourth of July weekend and, and back to the grind with uh, actually not so grindy. The first week after that, I'm doing a road show. Uh, I net a road show in Southern California hitting uh, Los Angeles.net users group, the uh, SoCal Architects group, and the San Diego Connected Systems group. I'm doing WCF Radio Services talks at all three of those. Yeah, it's not suffering. It's all Southern California. Yeah, well, and my wife and son are going to come along. My my family still lives out there, so it's uh, you know, combined uh, family time and some, some user group talks. That's a good thing. Awesome. And you know I'm feeling generous again, Richard. You are. are you? You're going to run out of prizes for the rest of the well, week. Well, no, but I think one more today would be uh, appropriate. We still got some Telerik Premium Collection discs here. We so do. For the right call and the right question, we might just give another one up. That's right. So if you want uh, to cash in on that, just give us a call at 877-492-6751 or 860-447-8832. The next caller wins a free uh, Telerik Premium Collection, which has everything that they do on one disc. It's hard to imagine, but it's true. That's a lot of stuff. Those guys crank out some good good products there. Oh, yeah. It's all all the ASP.NET controls that everyone knows and loves, and their WinCorm controls, and their ORM product, and their, their development and tool. Silverlight and WPF. Yeah, right. Silverlight WPF controls. It's a big pile of controls. And maybe uh, we'll only let you win it if you tell a dirty joke. <laughs> <laughs> you must be drinking bourbon over the phone <laughs> to win. Not necessarily a dirty joke, just a funny joke. If it's funny, we'll, we'll let it slide. Oh, you know funny. I know funny. Hooligan says, thanks, Brian, and salute. I'll pour some scotch to appease my wife's frowns and whines all day listening to the freaking laptop. There you go. <laughs> so scotch is going to make that better. I see. Okay. No, no, sweetheart. I was only listening to this because I was drunk. See? Yeah. <laughs> I saved some for you. That's a good solution. Up, nope, the phone is ringing. Oh, well, look, when you call it out, it happens. Why don't you just push the button? Just Hello, punch hello him who's right this? In. It's Mike. Mike Thomas. Mike Thomas? Hey, how's it going? How are you, man? Great. Are you in your car? Are you driving while talking? Oh, it's harder to type on the netbook while t- while driving. <laughs> oh, I hope you pulled over. <laughs> oh my oh, goodness! Man. So, didn't you win a uh, Telerik Premium Collection on the road trip? No, I didn't. Oh, well, if you can tell us a funny joke, you'll get one. A funny joke. Yeah, or you can just you know one that makes you laugh. Uh, Does it have to be clean joke? No. Does not have to be clean. Okay. Um, what's the difference between WPF and? Are you making WPF? this up? Are you making this up? Yeah. <laughs> Listen, Go ahead. What is it's it? It's original. Come what? on. Go ahead. Do you know? No. What is it? Re- test, say it again. What's the difference between what? WPF and WP seven. What's oh. the difference? You WPF and WP7. Yeah. Okay, besides the obvious, what? Nine. Oh. 
Oh, F and seven. Uh, kill me. That it, wasn't funny. Not only that, but he's not only that, but his that, math is wrong. That was such a groaner. It, it's, it's eight. It's yeah. actually eight. I, I mean, you can't give him anything. He did his head right, math we'll wrong. Him, Put it on my calculator. Right, hang up on Mike. Let's get somebody get, else. Hang like, up no, that no, no. Phone. One more. Sh- we'll give you one more shot at funny. Come on, okay, we want to laugh with you, not at you. <laughs> oh wow. <laughs> Oh, this okay, here's a, here's an absolutely funny joke. Okay, I I wear my .NET Rocks um, shirt everywhere I go, so I was wearing it today, and I was wearing it the last code camp, and everywhere I go, people say, "Hey, where's my shirt that I was supposed to get?" I tell them, "Dude, there is no shirts left," <laughs> but I get asked all the time. I mean, even by people that don't even know .NET. About the .NET Rocks road trip shirt, it's awesome. It's really oh. awesome. Well, it wasn't funny, but okay, we'll give you a Telerik uh, premium <laughs> collection anyway, because I can't take another it's funny one. If you know who asked me, oh, who asked you? <laughs> Andrew Duffy. Oh, he wants his. Kev Griff wants his. <laughs> I guess they're supposed to have them. I don't know. No, I mean, I don't know if they got them or not. But they're not getting shirts. No, they're not getting shirts. They're getting mugs. mugs. Yeah, well, whatever. They they all see my shirt that I wear from the road trip because uh, when we cleaned out the van, there was those shirts left over, and I got one. So, yeah, well, if they helped us clean out the van, they would get a shirt, too. Exactly. I told them, man, you should have been in Atlanta with us when we were cleaning out the van. This is what I'm saying. Now, we actually exactly. are sending a commemorative .NET Rocks road trip mug to everyone who helped out. But it's a lot of mugs, and it takes time to produce that many, and so it's going to be a little while. Right. Absolutely. I mean, you guys, it's absolutely amazing what you guys did on that road trip and the amount of effort and the quality. I, I was just stunned after watching you guys drive and drive and drive and then sit on stage and just pull off, pull off show after show because, you know, everybody else just sees you walk up on stage and they don't really see you 24-7, you know, driving with you in the truck, going out, getting some food, hanging out with people, hanging loose. You know, hanging out at night with people. <laughs> I mean, it's just unbelievable. And you guys go on stage, and it's like everybody sees you for a couple of hours, but they don't see you the whole time. And and I just got to tell you, you guys are top-notch, first-class organization. And I really, I really do think that uh, you guys should really, should really go for the twenty-four-seven radio show and, and go for your dream. Like I said on the tweet. Wow. Well, we will. We'll try, but we do have to sleep. Um, but you, thank you. I mean, you got to see the boring parts of the road trip. Everybody else got to see, you know, the show. But you're right. You, you, they didn't, they didn't have to, uh, take, you know, Richard talking about Nepal and me napping and, <laughs> and an antisocial, uh, RV driver. They didn't have to deal with any of that. So. Well, he's got interesting food tastes. Come on. Tom's a good guy. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, he eats birdseed crackers. Yes, yeah, yeah, yeah. and and he's looking for you know enough the equivalent of enough roughage, like he's eating a ball of raw twine. (laughs) But we do love Tom. Yeah. (laughs) Any questions for Brian before we let him escape? Um. Well, I I just think uh, we have somebody in Raleigh who's doing a lot of Silverlight development, and. they're also doing a lot of NAD framework stuff tied into your last uh, part of the show. And uh, I think it would be really helpful for people to be able to tie in um, their own, um, like, into NAD framework, their own 
uh, providers where wouldn't, we wouldn't have to go to third parties, and also with Silverlight to be able to tie in the phone stuff uh, easier. Um, one of the presentations at CodeStock compared the iPhone versus the WP7 development environments, and the thing that was interesting is, is that on the iPhone 7, you're using a clue to your old development system, but you can do, like, all the things. You can do gaming. You can do sober Well, they're equivalent of their entire development environment in one uh, piece. And with us, we've got um, the XNA separate from the Silverlight. So I think there is a little bit of room for some unification and for some newer, you know, or for some more extensive or expandable types um, of use of some of these tools by the developers themselves rather than having to depend on third parties for everything. That's fair. Yep. All right, Thomas, so, thanks a lot for calling in. We'll, Mike, uh, we'll, Mike Thomas. Uh, sorry, Mike Thomas. Names. I'm mixing up the names here. Yep. And uh, we'll be in touch, my friend, there to get you your disc. Absolutely. Yeah, thanks, guys. It'll, I'll be on the road for four more hours, so <laughs> I won't be able to send any more emails. <laughs> no worries. Well, hold on, because Jeff's going to get uh, some information from you. So, Brian, yeah. you are the last guy of the day. And uh, is there any last-minute words of... Uh, uh, any anything that you want to throw out there to the to the listeners before we hang up? Yeah, I suppose uh, check out Prism if you care about uh, having clean, maintainable apps. Um, don't give up on WPS; it's it's still alive and kicking. And it's not remain, quite dead. So. It's getting better. <laughs> WPF is awesome. Yep. Exactly. Don't let anybody tell you any but different. So is Silverlight. So, I mean. Uh, the good thing there is you get to leverage your skills on both sides. There you go. Um, either or choice. It's a both choice. That's cool. So we talked to uh, the princess this morning. She got oh, up yeah. bright and early at Did 6 she o'clock. A, she, she whip out another good dirty joke? Oh, several of them. Several. Yeah, she got them right off there the hip. Go. She's quick with them. <laughs> she never misses. We all have our talents. Indeed. Many beyond that, that's for sure. All right, my friend. I think uh, I think we're done. All right. Well, you guys uh, get some sleep, man. Dotnet Rocks is recorded and produced by Plop Productions, providing professional audio, audio mastering, video, post production and podcasting services online at www.pwop.com. .NET Rocks is a production of Franklin's Net, training developers to work smarter and offering custom on-site classes in Microsoft development technology with expert developers. Online at www.franklins.net. For more .NET Rocks episodes and to subscribe to the podcast feeds, Go to our website at www.dotnetrocks.com. Got a transmitter band.